Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. You're tuning in to our male sexual health series. Today, we're going to talk about everything related to lasting longer in the bedroom. Our distinguished guest is David Chambers, better known as the authentic man. David empowers men to cultivate exciting and profoundly connected dating lives, sex lives, and relationships they yearn for by embracing their true authentic selves. With his extensive experience as dating, relationship, and intimacy coach, David has been guiding men for over a decade to create authentic attraction, forge deep emotional connections, embody healthy masculinity, and experience connected sexual intimacy. As we navigate this stimulating journey, we will ponder on the prevailing physical and psychological aspects affecting a man's endurance during intercourse, the role of mental distractions and anxieties in diminishing presence during intimacy and strategies to overcome them, the impact of different masturbation techniques on stamina and overall sexual performance. And before we dive into today's topic, a big shout out to our fabulous sponsor, the Sexual Health Alliance. For those ready to extend their enthusiasm for sexuality into a profession, the Sexual Health Alliance is your go-to. Whether your aspirations are to become a sex therapist, educator, coach, or a couples therapist, they provide everything you need online and at your pace. Interested in learning more? Visit sexualhealthalliance.com or click 
in the link in the show notes. Let's begin our exploration of this fascinating subject with David Chambers and uncover the essence of authentic masculinity and its impact on intimate relationships. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome David Chambers to our show. David, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. I know that you talk about a range of different topics and your show and your content. So today we want to talk about lasting longer and kind of like helping people to kind of last longer during partner sex. So let's talk about what are some of the psychological, physiological challenges that might get in the way of penis owners lasting longer. Well, one of the first things I speak to a lot of men about is actually performance anxiety really gets in the way. It's a bit of a, a, a vicious cycle is that we worry about performance. And because we're worrying about performance, uh, we suffer from stress and anxiety, which affects our performance. So it's almost like when we start thinking about it, we can actually create the, the very thing we don't want because of the thinking that we're having about it. We start to worry and we start to stress. So performance anxiety is a big one and that can come in from all different pieces, you know, with men about worrying about the size and their ability to please their partners or, or even about their body, you know, how their body looks. I'm seeing this more commonly actually with men is like concerns about their body and size and do they look good? Are they attractive and stuff like that? And do they compare to other partners that their partners had as well as a big thing for a lot of men? This, and that, and that concern for about size is actually talking to my partner about that. <laughs> earlier today after we saw a very interesting advert on Instagram. General stress as well, you know, general life stress. Like I see this with a number of men who are working in very high performance jobs and they're very tightly wound, you know, they're, they're always pushing, pushing, pushing in their work and it's creating a lot of stress in their lives, in their bodies, and they're not always aware of it. And that stress starts to affect other areas of their life, especially their, their sexual performance, how, they, how long they want to last as well. And I guess there's some of the kind of health stuff, you know, that we often think about, you know, like weight, cholesterol, even down to, I think I was reading a, a little while ago, if you've got cardiovascular issues, it can affect your, your sexual performance. A lot of men don't realize this. It can actually be an indicator that you, you could potentially be having some heart problems or so forth. So there's some physical ones there, mental ones. I've also seen with a number of men who work out too much and they become very tight and they don't stretch enough. They don't maybe do enough yoga and stretching and so forth. So they're, so their hips are open. They're very tightly wound and they pushed a lot of big weights. And, you know, I've been there my, my life as well. And even, even men who've taken steroids, steroids can be a real, real problem when it comes to, you know, how long we can last and how we, we kind of think about our performance as well as some of the drugs around that are given to people with depression. I never remember the, the, the actual letters. That's the one. I knew some S's and some R's. <laughs> and yeah, you know, a number of men that I've spoken to before, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of how that affects their, not just their mood, but also the desire and their libido as well for sex. Fantastic. You know, I also at times I see that relational things can play into it, right? Like I know that people think they want to have sex with a partner, but they're like, they're just, their penis says, no, <laughs> we're not mm. doing this. Mm. So I think like the people interaction, especially in the long-term relationship can lead to struggles with lasting longer. It's not like, it's like not every single time it guys struggles. It means that there's partner's fault, but there are some relational dynamic that also plays into it. 
I love that you talk about performance anxiety. I see it as one of the very common reasons that people struggle. Maybe once they had issues with performance for any number of reasons, maybe they drank too much, maybe they were not in the mood, and now they're just so worried about it. <laughs> when as soon as they start making out, they think about it. One of the things that I talk to my cisgender men is like talking about it ahead of time with the partner. I know it is tricky because again, I'm a female, like cisgender female, <laughs> you know, that's a different dynamic. So tell me, what do you think about that? Mm, I recommend it actually. I think it's a really good idea to talk about how you feel about sex. I think a lot of enough, not enough couples actually talk about sex in general across the board. They just kind of do it. It's a thing they do. They don't talk about, you know, things like what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, what they'd like to enjoy what they want to feel, that seems to be a very common thing that's missed out. Like, how do you want to feel about sex? So I think it's important to have those conversations because what I've seen is that when we don't have those conversations, our worries just sit with us in our minds. And I could be worrying about it. And like yourself, I'm a, a cis man. And it's like, I'm, I'm worried about sex. I'm worried about having sex because I don't know if I'm going to last long enough. And I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. And I might be worried on a Saturday morning, because I know my partner's going to maybe try and have sex with me on Saturday evening. And my partner's sitting there with me thinking, wonder why he's so tense? What's going on? And they might start thinking, oh, maybe I've done something, I've said something. And then that can create disagreements and arguments in the relationship, right? And then when it comes to the sex, there's no connection. It stops happening. It's one of the things I've seen with, with, with men who suffer from performance issues is that they stop having sex altogether because they don't want to talk about it with their partner. So the talking is so important because then we are sharing what's going on and we're bringing our partner into our world. And they can also understand and they can also understand like, ah, oh, how can I help you? You know, that's a beautiful question. You know, if there's any women and you, you're dating men or your, your partner's a man, it's asking, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do to help? Because that way, it's like he doesn't feel like it's his problem alone to solve. He's Because this is what a lot of men feel. They feel alone in this. It's like, I'm alone. I'm the only one that's happening to, do, happening to, and there's something wrong with me. So when we share it, we allow that, that shame that we feel to dissolve away. And when we're met with acceptance and compassion, it really allows us to open up and feel seen and feel safe with, with our partners. Such a great recommendation, kind of like thinking about it as a team approach, right? I think like sometimes... Mm. People get hooked on their own stories. Like the partner think about, I have to perform, I have to perform. They lose their erection. And the female partner or the other partner thinking about, it's about me. They're not finding me attractive. So they withdraw and that just caused more issue versus what I'm thinking about. Okay, it could be purely, as you said, like physiological issues, personal psychological issues. So it would be important to kind of like support your partner in that journey. Like for hookup sex, like if we're meeting someone, what would be a script that we can use? I know every person is different, but it's just such an awkward thing to bring up with the lover first time. I, I hate partner, I like lover. <laughs> so mm, what mm. would that look like? Mm, I love it. I prefer the word lover myself as well. It's <laughs> it feels it just feels like it has more beautiful feeling to it. What can we say of a partner, a new partner, a hookup partner, someone we, we're just with? I think it's something something really kind of open. It's like, you know, maybe even being like, you know, sometimes I get really anxious about sex and that can cause this, this, this and this issue, mm -hmm. you know, like just bear with me, be patient with me. Like, you know, we can, we can work with this. I like to go slow. And the reason I like to go slow is because sometimes this, 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 this happens. And I can say that for the, 
for the for the men listening, those that sleep with women, like that piece about going slow and saying it out loud, like I, I, you know, the women in my community are like crying out for that. That's what they really want from from their sex, from their from their lovers, from even their hookups. And I think a lot of people are really far more open now to talk about these sorts of anxieties around sex than maybe way in the past. You know, when I was a much younger man, you know, because people are suffering from so much anxiety in general. So when someone brings it to the table in that way of like almost like leading the the the, the kind of sex, leading the communication, people are far more open to go, oh wow, God, I feel similar to that actually. Oh yeah, like how it affects me is X, Y, and Z. And then you bonded over something, right? I think the fear we have is that we'll mention like, oh, you know, sometimes I, I, I struggle to get an erection or sometimes I, I come fast and I want to, that someone's going to judge us and tell us there's something wrong with us and they're going to dismiss us or something like that. But I think that ultimately, you know, and I say this with a really kind of like honest heart, it's like, if that's the sort of person you meet and someone judges you in that way, you have to wonder, like, do you really want to have intercourse with that person? Do you really want to sleep with them? I know they might be really attractive and hot. But, you know, someone reacts in that way to you talking about something that's really vulnerable and, you know, very much like on on your mind and that concerns you, then you have to really question if you want that sort of person around in your kind of your field or your energy. Such a great point to bring up. You know, what I've noticed that many of my, if their partner is like a cisgender woman, like women love vulnerability. <laughs> My husband said, like, I never knew it's like such a magnet, right? So I think like, when you talk about it, if it's small kind of like a, a vulnerability, people are often leaning to more into the relationship versus like disconnecting, especially again for women. It's like we're socialized to be that way. Not, of course, not everyone, but some people are mm -hmm. like that. So you talked about size, you know, it's like very interesting. So I know that I, I talk a lot with Men and women separately. What I hear from majority of women, which I know it's a preference thing, like anything else, someone like, like blue eyes, someone like black eyes, or like, like, like that. But some, most women say like skill comes first, right? You gotta mm. be skillful. You gotta have good interpersonal skills and the size come second. And I think men are just so invested in this narrative of size is really important. I was presenting at podcast movement uh, a few weeks ago. And after my talk, a gentleman came and said, like, have you seen this study about size really matters? I haven't seen that study. What are your thoughts? Like I'm rambling on, but I hear a lot of different things about it. Tell us what's your thought. It's funny. I had an actual conversation with my partner today about size and it was quite eye-opening. Like, she's also a coach and, and we were talking and, you know, this is probably a conversation a lot of men wouldn't feel that comfortable having with their partners. But, you know, she put it this way. She was just like, some women prefer bigger, right? But there is a size, and she said for her personally, that goes beyond being too big, right? And at that point, it's uncomfortable and so forth, right? And and I was talking about some of my experiences with women I slept with. And I was like, well, I have women, I've met women who are like, you know, where we couldn't have sex. They were like, no, no, that can't happen. It's too big. But as you said, the reason one, one of the reasons why men get so fixated on it is, is because it's something you can measure. It's very masculine for you to measure the thing, right? The interpersonal skills, the way that you care for someone, the way that you listen to somebody, they're all really soft skills. They're all quite feminine skills as, as we still look in the world. So, you know, often when you 
you know, men are looking for things they can be definitive. Like, okay, this is the size of the thing. They can't be argued. I've measured it. This is the evidence and so forth. So that's why their minds become so fixated on it. But as you said, most of the women I, I speak to, when it comes to to sex, what they, like you said, it's technique, it's it's care, it's energy, it's vibe, it's how a man brings himself and presents himself. Because if you have those skills, right, you versus a man who just has a big penis and has no communication skills and he's not interesting to be around and he's not caring and he's rude and so forth, you're going to win every single time with the, with the communication skills, the soft skills, right? But also the technique, you know, because ultimately, what is it? I think only a quarter of women orgasm from penetration. So ultimately, knowing how to touch a woman's body beyond the, the vagina and beyond penetration is far more important than your ability to penetrate, right? So that's the, you know, how do you um, touch and play the clitoris? How do you touch her whole body, her breasts? How do you bring her the energy up and down in waves that allow the kind of arousal to peak and go down and peak and go down to really build up anticipation and, and play? So size matters up until a point and it isn't the be all and end all. Like in the same way, you know, for a lot of men, it's like, you know, looks are not the be all and end all, for instance, for a man when he's trying to meet a partner, you know, like you want, you want substance, but you don't want just the, the, the facade of what you think is important. Well, you know, as a woman, what I think about, if you say like medium size or average size with no skill and bigger size with no skill, definitely average size with no skills. <laughs> if those are the <laughs> options, right? Because I think even if you have bigger penis, like you need to be able to have kind of like being good at foreplay, how kind of different things. Mm. So prepare your partner to that for having that experience. But I think at least like it causes less harm <laughs> if you have an yeah. average size and you don't have this skill. Hopefully you have both of them. It doesn't need to be either or. But I think again, even for women that prefer bigger sizes, I think it's, again, it's a matter of like how you present yourself. It's not as much about the size. Again, there's so many things with sex tech you can do that kind of like add an, whatever type of sensation your partner is craving. Exactly. And also the thing we often forget about that men are thinking about is, is women also come in different sizes. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, so that is also a, a part of the variation that, you know, is going to matter because, you know, some women are going to be like, I don't want, I don't want a large penis. I don't want anything above average, mm-hmm. you know, and it could be the reverse. So it's it's also taken into account that we, you know, we all come in different sizes and shapes and we're meant to fit in together in very different ways. And, and we're so much more than our, just our body parts. I love that. I love that. So true. So you talk about the steroids. Tell us more about that. I've got some quite funny stories about men I know who I used to go to like quite a bodybuilder's gym for a number of years, especially my teenage and kind of early 20s. And a number of men who like had to have emergency phone calls with the gym owners like, hey, I need you to go and get the pump. Like, I feel like my penis is disappearing. It's shriveling away, <laughs> you know, and this it sounds comical. But I, I, I remember speaking to one guy and I was like, oh, how's your weekend? And he's like, Oh, David, it was a strange weekend. So like I've, I've seen that young, young men are getting on steroids a lot now. I've noticed that. That's definitely something as I've got older. I've, I've noticed that before it was like only the guys who were going to go to competition and like really looking to be really big and so forth. Now I'm speaking to from time to time young men and it's almost quite normal that, you know, they're 19, 20, 21, 22. And I know that it has some 
I know that older men I know who've done steroids for many, many years who are bodybuilders have serious heart problems over a period of time. So I, I know that there's a, a circulation problem. I think it's, is it, it thins the blood as well, mm-hmm. if I'm not correct, if I'm right. I'm not 100% positive, but <laughs> I, yeah. I recall with what you say. <laughs> yeah, or does it thickens the blood? It must be one of the, I know it affects the, the, the blood mm-hmm. and the heart. So it's anything that affects the blood and the heart, it's going to affect your erection. Right, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a simple thing we know because it's a it's a it's a blood flow. It needs blood flow. So yes, I've seen I've spoken to a number of men with 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 issues around their erection, whether it's erectile dysfunction or premature, mainly erectile dysfunction, and some with premature ejaculation in relation to taking steroids. Based on the people that you saw or seeing right now, is it reversible or it's permanent? The guys I've seen it with, is, is it actually isn't permanent. It's reversible okay. when they stop taking the steroids mm-hmm. and go into a more healthy diet. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply against steroids <laughs> because <laughs> it's really unnecessary. And, you know, you can, unless you, and even then for the professionals, you know, they're being monitored by doctors and all sorts of things. You know, a lot of the young men and men that are taking steroids, they're doing it just purely for for size and to look a certain size. When ultimately you could just work hard in the gym and get there, you know, with some hard work and good eating and so forth, it is a short shortcut. But the downsides to me are, yeah, they're not worth it because like I said, I, I, I know one man who died actually, and there was a belief that it was all down to the type of steroid he'd been taking for a number of years. Oh, wow. I'm sorry about that. That sounds so unfortunate. It's very so you, we, one of the other things I, times I hear is about distraction. I hear from my male clients that they talk about, like, I got distracted or I lost my erection or I, even like my, it took me forever to climax. That's something else that comes with the distraction. Mm. Yeah, we just struggle to be present, you know. I think in this world we live in now, we got so much stimulation, right? We've got phones, we've got laptops, we computers, there's screens everywhere that are attention. We're not very good at holding things like being attentive, you know, putting our attention in one place. So it's very easy for us, our presence to be stolen by our thoughts more than anything now. You know, it's our thoughts. We're, we're in sex and we're, we're making love to our partner. And we start thinking about what's going to happen afterwards, or we start worrying about our bodies, or we start thinking about even a past partner, or maybe some porn you watched before. And the attention is being pulled in left, right, and all over the place, right? And it stops us from being able to be present to our sensations in our body, our arousal, what we're feeling, the pleasure we're feeling. But also it takes us away from being able to like have our attention on our partner and having that kind of connection that we can have when we are connected to ourselves, but also connected to their pleasure. Because there's a, you know, an energetic link. There's a physical link between us in those moments. And we can ride that really beautifully if we can stay present with one another, you know, and feel that when our when our attention is just being pulled left, right, and center, then you know it can take a lot of the enjoyment away and creates again anxiety and stress for people. I I love that you brought that up. You know, I have few clients like that. They're in my practice, the couples, and it, one of the main concern or kind of like issues from the female partner is that my partner is disconnected during intercourse. And I know what is they're doing, the other partner, they have anxiety about losing erections, so they're visualizing things. But the female partner are just so disappointed at the quality of experience. As you said, it's hard for some people to be present and stay aroused, especially with a long-term partner, right? So they need to go to fantasy. Do you have any suggestions around that? Mm. Yeah, I... I give some of my clients to the couples I work with, I give them breath practices to do mm-hmm. together 
so that they're breathing together at the same time. And this is, I usually get them to do it outside of, of sexual intercourse. And I'll give them an audio to follow where they're breathing together, looking each other in the eye and keeping that connection and feeling their own bodies and, and breathing together. That can be really beautiful for them. And also to bring that into their, their, their practice together. But also it's to some of the acknowledgement there is that like, we can't keep our focus in one place. You know, I think we struggle as human beings for, for 30 seconds, to be honest, about becoming disconnected. So it's a kind of compassion as well. Having that understanding, like, yeah, they're going to drift off for a moment and come back. But also in there is like talking about it. We kind of mentioned this earlier, is like talking about it. Like, oh, I have anxieties about not, not lasting long enough or being hard. Because I find with people is once those anxieties are brought into the air and there's an acceptance and there's an understanding, those anxieties don't have as much of a hold over our minds, you know. And maybe we have to personally do some work with those anxieties, you know, journaling, reading, breath work, whatever it may be for us. But it's like for us to stay present, we have to practice presence. You know, it's a practice. It can be a practice, a solo practice. It can be a, a partnered practice. But it's definitely something we can come back in together. And I guess with with couples that have been together for a long time, I often feel they, they get into ruts of how they have sex. They take the same routes, you know. They It's a bit like... It's a bit like driving the same roads to work every day for 20, 25 years. You know, it's going to get boring and you're going to do it on autopilot. So it's like, can we change some of those neural pathways about how you initiate sex, the path, the, the directions it goes and, and how it flows with the two of you by, you know, throwing in new things and interesting places to have sex maybe or different positions or whole different scenarios and fantasies, but being acted out because that gives us a whole new lease of life when it comes to our intimacy and sex. That is so true. I often talk about novelty. I think people are not giving enough credit. So like I, I think about eating, right? If I have my, the most exquisite meal, my favorite meal for 25 years, <laughs> right? Like after that, I would get kind of after like, I don't know, a year, I would get used to the taste. I would get distracted. So even changing a little bit of flavor can go a wrong, uh, long way. So I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about that. Well, the other thing I often hear, like when it comes to kind of like lasting longer, one of the things people talk about is masturbation. I heard, I heard it all. People say like my partner comes too quickly because they masturbate or people say like, you know, I'm not able to last longer because I haven't masturbated. So tell us like one of the, what are some of the bad and good when it comes to masturbation and stamina? One of the things I've, I've noticed is that Men who have a certain amount of shame about masturbation, often not all men that have shame have suffered from premature ejaculation, but most of the men that I've come to speak to and they're talking to me about, you know, coming too fast. I want to in, also insert in, a lot of men feel they have premature ejaculation or, or, and they don't technically have it. They just may have come faster than they wanted a few times. They, there's a shame around masturbation that they develop in young year, in early years. Maybe it's a religious reasons. Catholicism is very good at this one. <laughs> I've noticed a number of Catholic men come my way. And what it is, is a rush. What happens for them is they, they, they get, they get stressed when they want to masturbate and then they rush it as fast as they can. And they're often using exactly the same movements, exactly the same hand grip. Maybe there's lube, but maybe there's no lube. That's quite a common one as well. And they're using exactly the same practice away. So they might be able to last reasonably long on their own, but when they come to be with, you know, a female partner, right? And they're inside a vagina. 
it's like a whole new sensation for them. And they're like, wow, this is overloading me. I'm overwhelmed. And they're also practicing this kind of very quick arousal of like starting to touch themselves. Two minutes later, they're done. And then they're, they're off to the next thing. They're, you know, off to watch the football or back to their work meeting or whatever it is. So there's a very quick arousal kind of beginning to end. So I see that what that does is create a very fast arc of just like zero to a hundred in, in many ways, right? And they're done. So their body starts to learn that this is how it is. Oh, I'm getting aroused. Okay, I'm zero to hundred. So they get into bed with their partner and that the same thing happens. But there's also, and this is, I find this is not as common as men who masturbate a lot, who this causes a lack of sensitivity to their penis. So they're almost desensitized from any sort of touch and sensation. I find these men also have a habit of masturbating very quickly in terms of hand movement, right? They might move very quickly in the hand movement for long periods of time. What both these these kind of scenarios have is like there's a lack of slowness. There's a lack of taking one's time. There's a lack of kind of mixing things up in terms of like different positions, different hand grips, maybe using some flashlights and stuff like that. I find when we start to slow down and take our time and not need to rush, that it can make a huge difference to to a man's ability and his stamina. I agree with you. Again, I, I see like many people coming from religious background, they struggle with shame around masturbation. The other common thing that I see that people almost program themselves like from the young age to kind of come quickly, right? Like they're masturbating in the bathroom. They don't want anyone to come. They want to finish as quickly as possible. So if you've done that for, I don't know, like 17, 18 years or whatever, like majority of the experiences, of course, you train your body to kind of like climax quickly. Exactly, exactly. You know, the body is is a machine and it learns and our, our brain learns to respond to certain stimuli. And if we keep giving it the same thing, a bit like the road, a bit like I said about the driving down the road, the same road, our body will just keep giving us what it's given us before. So it's being really mindful of like mixing things up and changing things up in the same way you mentioned about food earlier. Well, one of the successful sex therapy techniques that I bet you also use is edging, right? Like it mm. helps people, it train themselves. So for our listeners that they're not familiar with edging, tell us more about that. Edging is a practice of, you know, coming close to climax. I always talk about it in numbers when I work with men. If, if 10 is, is when you like, I'm, I'm ejaculating at 10 and, and say eight is that point of no return, the point at which you can't stop yourself, then you start a practice depending on your sensitivity of like, you know, moving up the, the numbers, going up to like a five, staying at a five, maybe dropping down to a, a four or three, moving up to a six or seven and, and, and kind of oscillating there until you get close to the eight, but being really present and aware and coming back down. And it's a practice you can do with a partner, without a partner as well. The benefits are obviously, you know, longer lasting in bed, not worrying about once you become very good at edging and comfortable with it, you're not stressing and, and anxiety around how fast you're going to last. Uh, a deeper connection to your own arousal rate as well, you know, and more presence. Because when you know, when you're, those worries and those stresses are gone, then there's more space for your attention to be where it is. And it could also be, you know, more pleasure for your partner, potentially depending. I found also that men, once they feel very comfortable and confident in edging, they feel more sexually confident. And actually that that confidence leaks out, especially men who are dating. I've seen them go from be feeling very anxious 
about dating into feeling much more confident about dating because they feel comfortable with edging. And, and I've seen it with men in relationship as well. And also men who, a number of my clients like to frequent various sex clubs and they feel a lot more confident and happy and joyful in that. So edging is powerful. And I think I first learned about edging when I was studying Tantra. My, my teacher was a big fan of, of, of edging. So I recommend it to all men, to be honest, as a discipline as a way of, of, of grounding themselves in a level of kind of controlling the most natural and powerful urge that you have, being able to kind of be conscious of it while in pleasure. And I think that it gives us incredible amounts of, of self-discipline that can leak out into other areas of our lives. I love that. That is so true. And I often hear from my male clients, they sign edging too, because of a number of different things. They talk about when they, so they choose not to ejaculate. And when they're having partner sex, it's intensified that experience for them. So it can be something that can also help with increasing pleasure if someone is interested in it. Mm, can have more powerful orgasms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and I, I know you talked about the breathing. And I tell people kind of like experiment with different things, with breathing, with type, different type of edging. So that can be very also powerful. So if people want to kind of improve their kind of stamina, what kind of exercises or practices you recommend them to incorporate in their like daily routine in a way, like daily sexual routine? Mm, I think one of the, the, the best I give this to all my clients, almost regardless of what they come to before, is meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, practicing the practice of meditation isn't about being completely clear of mind or being some sort of Zen monk. It's about bringing yourself back from distraction to your point of focus. So if I'm focused on my breath, and I get distracted by the sound of my cat or, or, you know, thinking about tomorrow's football game or whatever, I just go, oh, bring myself back. And that's the practice of bringing ourselves up. That helps us gain a level of control over our mind and over our thinking. Breathing, you know, learning to breathe deeply into the belly is something that, you know, for, for, for millennia, people have been doing, you know, some of these breath techniques that are really coming to the fore now, these are things that have existed in the East especially for, for kind of thousands of years. So deep belly breathing, you know, because I see a lot of men have a lot of tension and they hold a lot of tension in their lower bellies and in their groins as well. So one of the things I also work with men is like stretching, like stretching and yoga as well. And the, the beauty of yoga is you're, you're both stretching and breathing at the same time. And that can have a, a really big effect. I, what else is there? There's some meditations. Like I really love the microcosmic orbit. I feel that has a really beautiful effect as well. It's a very subtle meditation to try. I'm also a really big fan of like a mindful masturbation. Learning to masturbate, but not in the way that you've always done, is learning to do it in a way where you combine a lot of the things I've said. It might be a body scan, a little bit of meditation, some deep, slow belly breathing for a few minutes, taking your time with yourself, touching yourself slowly. And then working up to doing, you're practicing the edging and not ejaculating. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of non-ejaculation mm-hmm. as a practice because I think what we struggle for, and this is not just sexually, generally in our life, is we struggle to be with intense feelings and emotions or discomfort and remain present to our maybe higher goal that we have. And for example, in sex, that might be, and if we've all had this feeling, especially men, is like you're, you're having sex with your partner and then the lust of like, oh, I'm getting close to ejaculation. But you know that you want to have sex for longer, but that urge 
completely overwhelms you and you just follow it and you're just like, ah, and then before you know you're finished and then suddenly you might feel shame or guilt because you've, you, you haven't thought about their pleasure. So the training is, is like being with discomfort while remaining present to what it is we really want. And when we can really practice that in various ways, in various areas of our lives, it, it helps everything. There's nothing this doesn't help. It can help with arguments, you know, staying present to our partner who we love instead of being overcome by our negative stories or our fear and our worries and anxiety. So when it comes to, to sex and even with, with edging and mindful masturbation, we are practicing every day or every couple of days to observe that lustful feeling of wanting to like go faster and faster, but staying connected to our goal of conscious mindful masturbation and, and, and edging and taking our time and slowing down. Well, I think it's wonderful. Like for anyone, as you said, like mindfulness can help with so many things, as you talked about, like kind of being present, like lasting longer, also kind of like, kind of like being able to have different types of sexual experiences and be open and present for it. But one thing at times people ask me is that if I'm present in the moment and then I'm not leaning into my fantasies, then how would that work? Do you have people like ping-ponging between fantasies and kind of being present in their body or the practice is just being present in the body? Mm. It really depends on the goal. You know, if you're, if there is, you're in a, I guess the thing for me, and this is my personal opinion, is like if I'm having sex with someone or the, the men that I meet, they want to be present with the person they're with. The fantasy in their head is very secondary. Mm-hmm. It's very much like, is that a substitute for the person in front of you? Or you not really want to be with the person in front of you and you'd rather be with your fantasy? And I think that maybe that's then, if not necessarily a problem, but it's just a situation, maybe there's a preference. So then it's choosing how you want to do, you want to toggle. Do you want to, you want to toggle between the fantasy and the present moment of being with yourself? Or it's like, how can you hold both of those things? How can you feel the, the sensations in your body in this moment with the person you're with while also having the the kind of fantasy playing because that's also a part of the skill of attention because you know as human beings we can hold our attention i think on up to three things at the same time you know we can think about breathing we can look with our eyes we can feel the 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 touch of sensation but it's also something we have to practice to be able to split our attention that way in a way that actually allows us to really hold all those things and not be taken out of all of those things by something else that's happened. So it's it's all a kind of practice of where you want to be putting our attention. I agree. I think it's just like, it's, first of all, I think integration is always the best, but also kind of like maybe experimenting with different things. Like I, I love that you, I know you're a tantric practitioner and I know sometimes I teach people about like eye gazing and breathing and they, even with a long-term partner, and they feel like, especially male, like male and male, like cisgender clients is like so intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. So it brings a level of intensity. So I think it's very interesting when we are tuning in the moment in an intentional way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, David, I know that you have your own content. I, I appreciate the time you you spent with us today. So if our listeners are interested to learn more about you, your offerings, where can they find you? Yeah, I guess the... There's a couple of places, probably the two best places to find me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. You can find me at the authentic man underscore. That's the best place. I'm usually posting daily and, you know, taking questions in the, in the DMs and, and talking to people there. The other 
place probably the best place to get me if you really want to listen to more of what I have to say. I've also got a podcast I've been running for a number of years. There's probably over 200 episodes, I think now, depending when you're listening to this, um, of me. And that's just the, the authentic man with David Chambers. And, you know, if you really enjoy what you're hearing now or what you hear on my podcast and on my Instagram, then I do work with, with men and I also work with couples in the, in the, in the areas of say dating and relationship and really getting conscious and creating conscious outcomes in all those areas, not just getting what we've always got, our unhappy scenarios, actually changing and rewriting our script around dating relationships and intimacy. Beautiful. So the link for those kind of like content will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, David, for coming in the show. This was a very wonderful and informative conversation. Hey, thank you very much for having me. All right, lovers, as we wrap up today's profound discussion with David Chambers on cultivating lasting and meaningful connections through authenticity and emotional intelligence. Remember to share this episode with your other male friend, with your partner, and let me know what you guys thinking about this topic and also what else you would be interested for us to discuss during our male sexual health series. And before we say goodbye, a massive thank you to our fantastic sponsor, Sexual Health Alliance. If you are in the realm of sexual health and education and aiming for ASAC certification, Sexual Health Alliance is your ally. They provide accessible, comprehensive, and enlightening programs tailored to guide you smoothly to your certification journey. To delve deeper into their offering and elevate your expertise in the field, visit sexualhealthalliance.com. And don't forget, the link is also available in our show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sexology Podcast. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.